0: Okay, so I will talk about A Quiet Place, the movie, before we talk about Tomb Raider. Uh, I don't think it's particularly spoilery, but I do go into some... a bit of detail about the film, not a great deal, just... I don't know, you never know what's a spoiler these days, so just consider this a warning, I suppose. Anyway, on with the thing. I watched that quiet place, Conrad.
1: That quiet place, that's the one with the people that have to be quiet or the aliens eat them.
0: They've got to be quiet because otherwise the bad shit will happen. Infuriating Mm -hmm. film. I've been looking for creepy films because I watched the Lake Mungo and I'm like, I need more of that. Um, So I asked asked Twitter for recommendations. Um, I've gone through a lot of them. Only a few of them have have been very good. (laughs) Um, They've been all right. They've been all right. Um Eden Lake was fucking scary uh, mostly angry, not at the movie at the situation. well worth checking out Eden Lake, but you gotta steal your stomach for it um, not even because it's particularly grotesque uh it's more thematically upsetting, especially because it's very believable. That's all I'll say about that. A quiet place though I don't know how they survived. I don't know how they lasted more than three days. They are all universally stupid. It's that like people have to be a bit stupid in horror movies for some of them to work. You know, sure. we all laugh at that. Why didn't you get out the house? Why are you going on your own out there? Etc. Cetera, Etc. Cetera.
1: Don't go in the basement. Yeah, yeah.
0: But because of this movie's gimmick, and it is a gimmick, the only way you can create drama, or certainly the only way they create a drama, is either a, a, an accident that makes a loud noise or them doing something stupid that makes a loud noise so what we get is a full on movie full of nothing but idiotic accidents and that's yeah. it for the movie and they get out of every idiotic accident through dumb luck it's always coincidence convenience that they escape trouble and it it was exasperating and don't have a baby don't have a baby what if... if you're in that situation, and certainly if you've got to raise it in a jigsaw trap. They, they have a baby? Yeah, they, they're they having a baby, and they make a box for it so it doesn't make noise and with an oxygen mask and stuff. And I'm like, so that baby's growing up fucked up.
1: Oh yeah, he's going to be totally normal. Totally yeah. normal.
0: Like I don't want to say too much about the movie for fear of spoiling it and whatnot. It's a fairly recent film. Sure. But um all of that stuff that I've said is you know, you could see that from trailers and shit. But my god, it's nothing but idiotic mistake after idiotic mistake. Inconceivably stupid. And, Babies
1: are incapable of being quiet.
0: And that yeah, I mean that. But of course, because this movie is about convenience and dumb luck, it only cries when they need a tense scene to happen um otherwise
1: yes. it's the most well-behaved baby in human history yeah. yeah yes
0: and it is it is the most well-behaved baby i've ever seen ever um in order for the movie to work and my god the conclusion it ends up so obvious and so there is no way this was discovered by accident it, you know there's no way they wouldn't have worked something out that's worked out by the end of the film They'd have figured that out on day one of the event that happened,
1: happening. Um, I, I uh, okay. I think I've already figured it out. You probably have. You <laughs> like, probably. I'm, I, I'm pretty sure I've figured it out. I, I I can't I can't help but think that there's a potential strength as a weakness thing here.
0: Well, <laughs> stupid. <laughs> Fucking idiots! <laughs> well, this fucking is the Fucking idiots!
1: Like, I would have been killed immediately because I can't keep my goddamn mouth shut. So. Oh yeah,
0: yeah. I'm not saying I'd have
1: survived. I would. I wouldn't have lasted
0: a week. Here's the thing: the protagonists, nor would they. Uh, really, fucking idiots!
1: If they'd wanted to do this proper, they should have set it around a monastery.
0: Yes. Right. Yeah. But th- there's another thing they point out. Where, like, there's somewhere they can go that's safe because of a reason. And I'm thinking the whole time, why aren't you living there? <laughs> why aren't you living there? Oh, that's right, because you're the kind of stupid idiot that doesn't put the fucking toy up higher. Wow. It starts with idiots, and it ends with idiots. A quiet place. The it, only... And The real frustration is, it's got a fucking amazing monster in it, and mm-hmm. the, there are great scenes and really cool little moments, and it is a neat gimmick for a film. You know, this low dialogue—we gotta all we'll be quiet because of the thing. Um, oh yeah, it's, for it's a, very a horror interesting. suspense thriller. Yeah. That
1: concept has a lot of
0: lot of legs, but you know, maybe it's just because I never really. Were, I, I was never interested in having kids, so I cannot sympathise with this need to yeah. have children. Like, it was the same with The Walking Dead. Like, Alex was always frustrated with The Walking Dead for that reason. It's like, oh, we got to further the species. Well, first of all, arrogant. Second of all, deal with the crisis first. Make sure you're not basically giving birth to a millstone. Yeah. That makes sense because you're not furthering the species if you're giving birth to something that will get all of you killed. Mm-hmm. It's yeah. just... So I couldn't care about that. And like I said, it, it it was like the cast of Police Academy that were making so many stupid mistakes. I, at one point, I laughed. At one point, I was laughing during a so-called tense scene because I couldn't believe they could get any stupider, and they did. But that's the way the film has to work in order for the scenes to happen. There was one moment Where there was an external problem to deal with And that was the best scene in the film Everything Mm. else They do it to themselves And I'm no longer In that movie then Because I don't care if they live or die It's better for them to die (laughs) Anyway Uh. we saw
1: Tomb Raider (laughs) Yeah so uh, what are we going to watch next time?
0: Right, yeah, we're gonna watch uh, <laughs> Chasing Ghosts. <laughs> yeah. we are gonna watch Chasing Ghosts. We normally yeah. don't say that till the end, but we 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 will do. But a now that we've podcasts. spent
1: seven minutes talking about another movie,
0: well, I mean, you know, where else do I talk about it? Like I it's could true. talk about it on Podquisition, and I probably will again. I won't. I won't talk about A Quiet Place again. But you know, I. I we talk a little bit off-topic stuff there, but oh, this yeah. is a movie podcast. It's true. And it'd be a good time to express my uh, deep frustrations a with A Quiet Place. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. God, they're badass monsters in it.
1: Yeah, but that's, that's unfortunate. That's about, My yeah. only exposure to it was the Saturday Night Live sketch that came out uh, when Kanye was all over the place. And the premise of the sketch was that they were in, you know, the setting of A Quiet Place, but they're all, like, reacting to tweets from Kanye and the uh... shit Kanye's doing and are unable to, like, prevent themselves from screaming aloud at how <laughs> weird it all is. Yeah. Um, and, and I thought, okay, cool, I get it. <laughs> I don't need to see the movie now. I get it. Honestly, and, uh, yeah.
0: Honestly, that's cleverer than what they were doing in a quiet place
1: that's unfortunate in
0: terms of the characters yeah. Um, although the skit was quite clever as well from the sounds of it um, but reacting to Kanye tweets is a lot less stupid than what some of these idiots <laughs> were doing these <laughs> blithering fools
1: uh, well speaking of blithering fools we watched Tomb Raider
0: yes yes we're, we're the fucking marks here because we, yeah. <laughs> we sat through Tomb Raider it's not bad
1: it's not bad. It's, it's a, not a bad. thoroughly competent movie.
0: That That's exactly the word. I was watching it and I was like, Count Conrad is going to call this movie competent and mm-hmm. it won't be entirely a compliment to the film. Yeah. Um, you know, it, it's not bad. I know I just said that, but I don't know what else to say.
1: But it's also you, know, you have to say it with that hesitation of yeah, I don't yeah. have anything particularly good to say about it either.
0: I mean, I'm always happy to see Walton Goggins get a gig.
1: Walton Goggins?
0: Yeah, he was the villain of this.
1: Oh, oh, in oh, Vice the Principals. guy who plays Vogel. Okay, yes, yes. Yeah. Um, um, I only I'm really always know happy to see Dominic, M- Dominic West working. Yeah, yeah.
0: I keep trying to place him from something. I know he was in 300, but I'm sure I've seen him in something else. I can't well, he remember was in, what it is.
1: He was in The Wire. Did you watch The Wire? No,
0: although I know... I've got to see it. Like, everyone he, says you have to see it.
1: He's fucking amazing in The Wire because, like, that's where I know him primarily from mm-hmm. and probably wouldn't, you know, I would maybe recognize him in other things once I saw him, but my context for Dominic West is the character of Jimmy McNulty, who is from Baltimore and has a fucking perfect Baltimore accent. Ah. Oh. Fucking perfect. So to hear him speak in his normal tone and 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 form of speech in this film as a British man uh, was uh, surprising. It took me a second. I didn't recognize him immediately as I thought I might have because my context for him was this British voice. And I see the photo, and it wasn't until, like, the midpoint of the film that I realized, oh, shit, that's Jimmy McNulty. Um, <coughs> yeah. So that that was surprising. Yeah, I mean, there's there's good stuff here. The 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 uh, actress
0: playing Lara. Oh Um, yeah, it's a good Lara. They don't give her much to do.
1: She doesn't
0: get a chance to be really all that good. The one thing I kept thinking watching this film was this is based on the rebooted Tomb Raider series. You know, Mm -hmm. we've got a was it Shadow of the Tomb Raider coming out very very soon, Uh, like September fourteenth, I believe. So very soon. Um, I was recently replaying Rise of the Tomb Raider. Um, that's an amazing little concept, uh, not concept, that's an amazing little product, because it's a really good game, really, really good, that you cannot remember. It's like Wait. it's like the Nosferatu of, of, like, put an obfuscate spell on it, because I play it, enjoy it a lot, and I only remember that I liked it. I can't remember the fucking
1: content. And that is the ultimate replay value.
0: Yes. It's it's <laughs> new every time. Um, but what I found interesting and what I kept thinking about with this film was those reboots primarily happen to not just do another Tomb Raider. You know, the original Tomb Raiders were a very specific thing and the Tomb Raider reboots are their own distinct, specific thing. Mm-hmm. The movie is based on the reboots, and yet the movie is just another Tomb Raider. They have nods to the reboot. You know, she has the the pick that she uses as a weapon.
1: Yeah, she gets she she gets all her iconic weapons.
0: She gets the bow and arrow at one point. They have one sequence where they do what they do in the reboots, which is basically Lara getting the shit kicked out of her by rocks and water. (laughs) Basically, just the environment just deciding to boot Lara's head in. They only really do one thing based off that. The movie quickly turns into we're just going through a tomb, Uh, which is not what the reboots are. The reboots are, you know, basically Woman Rambo. They had a chance to do Lara Rambo as a movie. That I would have watched. But for me, the most interesting aspect of this movie was when she was still in London. The movie was at its best when she
1: was just living her normal life and living a normal life. She was not, you know, this aristocratic figure yeah. in the manner with all of the wealth and trappings and the you know the gang of technologically inclined people who monitor and all that shit. it was it was very grounded yeah. and uh yeah, I agree. Like that but then was when... I, I wanted more of that.
0: Yeah.
1: Yeah, like the the people she
0: was hanging out with um the stuff like well, the the bicycle race—it was that was interesting—and it
1: sets it all up to be like important and significant, and then is just tossed aside the minute she needs right? to leave town.
0: Right? You think, oh well, something's going to come up in the movie to where her skills on this bicycle will, you know, be relevant. It
1: never does. <laughs> it no, never does. Not merely that, but like they reinforced characters by having them appear multiple times leading you to think that they have significance, and they do yeah. not.
0: Yeah, and and it just seems they stripped away a lot of... Like It follows the same story beats as the first uh, Tomb Raider reboot, the one from 2013. They go to the same island. Um, they're Well, but it, it Imiko, incorporates...
1: It incorporates elements from the second ge- reboot game, also because the yes. that's that's where it introduces the secret society elements. And Trinity has that. a presence. Yeah,
0: they found a, um, they found an actor to play the Trinity guy who looks exactly like Constantine from the from Rise of the Tomb Raider, mm. um, exactly like him, though they don't do anything with him. Um, but yeah, like. I remember the original, like, the 2013 Team Raider. She was on that boat that she gets on in the film, and there were a lot of people on that boat. Yeah. And again, this movie was at its best when she was interacting with, like, friends and stuff like that, community and that. And then they take all that out, and now she's just on a boat with her dude, who has one scene where he's got a personality, and then doesn't for the rest of the film. Um... (laughs) That's another issue with this, is characters are given personalities and then those personalities just go away and they just become people in the plot, making the plot happen. Um, all of the interesting stuff just slowly sloughs off until it's just tomb. Just yep. we're walking through a tomb. This is where it's all funneling to. Um, is just another Tomb Raider. Yeah, Which is totally against the spirit of, of what they rebooted it for. They might as well have just brought Angelina Jolie back. I
1: mean, and at, the, at about the midpoint, when we do get that sort of she gets the crap beat out of her thing, which was the whole tone, as I understood it, of the games. And I didn't play a lot of the games. Um, oh, to the point where you could imagine it was someone's fetish. Yeah, that, well, that was what all the coverage at the time seemed to be conveying to me. And, uh, and you know, okay, that's a choice that you can make. Fine, whatever. I mean, emphasize
0: uh, the whole survivalist yeah, hanging on by the skin of one's teeth in, on an island thing.
1: Yeah, there's there's merit to doing that. And, and so I'm not, like, critical of that aspect of it. But, I, you know, I played, like, a couple of hours of it as I tend to do with these more open-worldy type experiences, I get two, three hours in, I set it down, I go do something else, and I never come back to it. You know, I I just did this most recently with God of War. Um, I played a few hours, I set it down, I came back like a month and a half later, uh, did another two hours. I will probably never play it again now. I just can't commit to them. So a lot of the context for, you know, comparative is lost. Um, But the sense I got was that the game really wanted this to feel like a struggle that the character was developing through. Yeah, This is like a switch. Uh, She has one incident that is a, like a moral turning point for the character. Yeah.
0: It's, it's there even like, even though they had a great basis for a movie, They added the things that would have been great for the movie as nothing more than a gesture. Her going through that sequence just felt like they were doing a video game reference when that should have been the point of the movie. No, 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 this isn't the kind of thing you just do as a nod to the game. This would have made a great film regardless of whether it was licensed or not. I mm-hmm. don't know why they didn't go for it, outside of creative bankruptcy. They had to have been either lazy or not very good to have just gone with generic action film when they and, could have had Rambo. Yeah, and it's it's it's
1: really I realise some people
0: are going to say Rambo is a generic action film. The
1: first one was fucking great. Yeah, no, Ram- Rambo defined generic action films for a generation. That's... There's <laughs> a difference. Yeah, um, yeah. But, you know, that yeah. whole
0: survivalist thing is a movie, and those moments... Well, sorry, those that one moment was interesting. And yeah. then it just switched to... So generic, just so, and, uh, like, this feels like it could have been made in the 90s.
1: And it felt like they were really going that direction with the way that she scene is shot and edited and the music that they chose, the perform. It, it feels like this is supposed to be important, and then it's just not. Just like yeah. the characters at the beginning of the, of the film that you're led to think are of some significance or are going to, like, become part of her crew at some point uh, and are forgotten. I mean, I don't know what she'd do with a uh a short order cook or expediter from a a restaurant, but
0: had some interesting dialogue. I'd have taken that. Yeah. I'd have taken that instead yeah. of It's like the movie just gets significantly less bothered as it goes on. It just cares less and less. And I they changed the whole Himiko plot line. Um mm. To try and, and and made it generic,
1: well, they, yeah. Well, they took the because in the Tomb Raider games, there is legit supernatural shit happening.
0: There is some legit supernatural shit, yeah. yeah. And they had to make it more grounded, I guess. It's, why? Fucking why?
1: That doesn't bother me so much. I don't, this I don't movie mind just, that it's grounded. I'm okay. It's it just
0: pointless. I wouldn't have if it was grounded in a way that made it interesting, maybe.
1: I mean, I like. I am okay with the idea of having supernatural myths and legends be revealed to have rational explanations. Sure, I, if it's done I'm well, I'm fine with that. Yeah, yeah. This was, it was the fact
0: that man. I ask why because what did it gain them creatively? Nothing. Uh... this movie felt like it exists because a studio decided it had to happen. It feels like
1: an obligation this move you know okay so here's here's what it does i can i can i can state a case for what this decision does narratively that may be what they were going for uh the fact that himiko's thing is what it is um, it brings together the two points of view of richard and lara Richards being that, you know, this thing exists. I believe this thing exists and I'm going to find it. And no, there's no way that this thing can exist. You're fucking crazy, dad. And this is a way to bring together those two perspectives so that no one's wrong. Like both, character can, both characters can have been effectively right throughout the entire course of the film. And then it puts the parent and child on equal footing. So it's a pass the torch kinda thing. But it still sucks.
0: <laughs> yeah, I mean that's the thing.
1: If yeah. they'd have I can rationalise it all day better, long, but it still sucks. Yeah.
0: Yeah, if they'd have built that theme better, you know, sure. It just it, the payoff wasn't worth it because yeah. it sucks. Um Speaking like I say, this movie was an obligation. <laughs> All right, yes, yes. <laughs> and talking of obligations... Just happening because, you know, someone decided it had to. <laughs> right, you want to describe Tomb Raider?
1: Yeah, let's do it. We begin with voiceover from Richard Croft, uh, dated 2009, explaining the legend of Himiko, the first queen of Japan, I guess... She, he says uh, she's a sorceress who ruled her empire with dark magic, spreading death with the touch of her hand. And eventually her own generals rose against her and entombed her on a remote island. Richard says he knows where she is and that he has to get there first. Doesn't really like explain anything about like who, who, who has to come in second, but fine. Uh, noting that he'll be leaving his Lara behind as we're shown a photo of Jimmy McNulty. And a terrified girl holding a puzzle box.
0: <laughs> I'd be terrified too. It's a fucking Lament configuration. Right?
1: Yeah, exactly. So, like, this is the setup for a whole other better movie.
0: <laughs> yes.
1: <laughs> and and you know what? It just occurred to me. One one day we could do that Hellraiser. That one Hellraiser that centered oh around the
0: online game. The one that yelled made me yell shut the fuck up movie when we
1: were watching it. That's the one. Cut to a boxing rig where mixed martial arts is happening. Uh, Laura, Laura Croft is doing the MMA, but doesn't do a particularly good job and goes down in a submission hold. She is fighting an actual MMA fighter in this sequence. Um, and the guy coaching her is uh, someone with you know, like nearly a decade of, of UFC uh, competi- competitive uh, professional, whatever you call that, sport. Mm-hmm. Uh, so cool. They get legit people for it. Neat. In the locker room after she looked she takes...
0: legit as well.
1: Look like she, she did the
0: shit out of you.
1: oh uh, fuck yeah. I wouldn't want to meet that that person in any alley. Uh, light, well lit, dark does not matter. Um, I would be looking to go out the other direction.
0: Hell, I'd uh... rather
1: dark, so I wouldn't see the fucking punch coming. <laughs> Uh, in the locker room after, she takes some ripping from a friend that we'll never see again after this scene. Yeah. It does feel like this was a completely different film. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. She, well, they're establishing this community that she is going to abandon in favor yeah. of her father. Who abandoned her in favor of his quest. This Oh, okay. I get it now. I get it now. This is a, a nature-nurture thing. You know, she's just. I like followed... how the
0: movie abandoned a good premise.
1: <laughs> uh, her coach comes by looking for his Apple, which Lara has stolen, and that figures, because it turns out Lara's behind on her payments to the gym. And her gig as a uh, bike courier, uh, I guess she's probably doing it on one of these apps, you know, delivering food for people, but it's, it's yeah. not getting the job done. Uh, Speaking of bike currying, currying, cur currying, currying, mmm curry, mmm curried bikers. Biking happens.
0: I can't eat curry anymore. I used to love Indian food, but that stuff is uh, almost fatal to me. Ended
1: up in the hospital last time. Oh my god! Is it just like a, is it an allergic reaction or?
0: Yeah. Oof. To uh, stuff that's used in the you know the cooking process, uh, put knocked me into the hospital, mate.
1: Now is that is that uh, all curries or, or could we come up with a curry? I recipe can't take that the risk. Enjoy?
0: Oh, uh, I mean, yeah, yeah. If I know exactly what's going in, okay. You know, homemade curry, I could do. Okay, but I couldn't order uh, one. I couldn't go to an Indian restaurant or anything.
1: Yeah, you just gotta go get yourself some goat. Yeah, I could probably sell you a goat. Actually,
0: I got goats. If you sold, if you sold me a goat, I would just keep the goat.
1: Well, that, that's fine too. Goats are lovely. That is good. Yeah. 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 God, I and love a pet goat. Lawn maintenance is covered. Seri- yeah, le- legit. That's, and, and it's fed. You're done. Problem yeah. solved. Okay. So, anyway, Laura picks up a food order from a family restaurant where a young man is encouraged by his family to ask her out. He does not. And, uh, I mean, we are going to see him again for a second. She then arrives at the dispatch for the couriers, where two other bikers uh, are, are plotting a fox hunt, which they explain is a race in which one rider is chased by a bunch of other riders who have to catch the lone rider before a paint can attached to their bike, thereby producing a follow- followable trail, has emptied completely.
0: Yeah. Uh, one of the characters in this scene is played by the guy who was the uh, mugger in an episode of Peep Show. Mm. The one who's I, all give us your phone, give us your wallet. For anyone who, uh, you know, any of our listeners who enjoys Peep Show, very fine, very fine show. It's
1: indeed, that's one I I keep getting recommended on. Oh, on you would list. love it. You, yeah,
0: you would fucking love it.
1: All right, I'll, I'll I'll get I'll get in there. I'll get in there because the promos didn't do it for me. Uh, I saw a few promos and I was like, eh, okay. Yeah, it comes
0: into its own more and more as you get to know the characters and become Mm -hmm. utterly exasperated by them.
1: Yeah, because it seems... It's sort of of like a quiet place, but on purpose. It seemed like sort of stock standard roommate drama. Yeah, it's...
0: I mean, there's some of that, but it's not done in a standard way.
1: Mostly because
0: of the the way the characters behave.
1: All right, all right. I, I I will... Give it a shot then. I need something else to watch now. I'm, I'm running out of things. Uh, so, uh, upon hearing that the winner's going to get 600 pounds, Lara signs up while demonstrating her knowledge of Shakespeare. And the dispatcher, Bruce, whom we're never going to see again. <laughs> Has an exchange with her, asking why someone who knows Hamlet is a bike courier. They they are setting him up to be another like possible love interest character, to you know, or to be the tech guy, or you know, whatever. The, 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 yeah, the, there's. Although n- someone
0: asking why someone who knows about Hamlet is a bike courier clearly doesn't actually live in London. They got that bit wrong because if you live in London and you know anything about the job situation as an adult, you know you could know fucking advanced physics and still end up with a job as a fucking bike courier.
1: That's that was kind of what I thought actually. I thought that was a little strange because
0: hell, I say London pretty much fucking anywhere these days.
1: Yeah. Yeah, I was I was going to say like I I'm not above I, I for a while there, I was thinking about doing Postmates.
0: Yeah. <laughs>
1: you know? What I, they I... should
0: have said, although they didn't know this, is why Lara, with all of her money, is taking a job away from someone who might fucking need it.
1: Right? Oh, my fucking God. You know, the Basically, she's the... They just the... take and take and take. She's
0: the subject of the, uh, the song Common People by Pulp. <laughs> <laughs> I love that song. It's a fucking great song. Oh. But that's exactly what it's about. She's just slumming it. Um, she doesn't respect Jarvis Cocker's rhythmic struggles on behalf of the working class.
1: The race is odd. Lara is given a head start once her can of paint is pierced. Biking happens. Lara cunningly hides on the back of a... Uh, now, I, have I got this slang right? Is this a lorry? Yeah. Yeah? Okay. No. Cool. cool. No? Yes. No. Yeah.
0: I can't remember what it looked like now. I mean,
1: it's a, it's a trailer on the back of a truck, and the truck is the lorry, right?
0: Yeah, I think it's a lorry.
1: Okay. All right. I just wanted to make sure I had my slang.
0: Might be. I can't remember anymore. I can't remember anything about England anymore. Now, now,
1: now that you've you've been indoctrinated entirely into American life, yeah, it's all gone. I, remember, I-
0: All I know is that Lara probably had great experience with this because she's probably hunted a few foxes when she was younger, big posh sod born with plums in her mouth. (laughs) Posh.
1: So she almost uh, gets away with this whole thing, but alas, another courier spots her, and the chase is on again briefly until he crashes into a bench in a park. Uh, reveling in her seeming victory, she gets distracted by a guy who looks like her dad from behind and almost takes a door from someone exiting their vehicle. And while she's busy yelling at that guy whose car she almost hit like it's his fault, she crashes over the hood of that a police car. That they did car. get right about London. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Uh she crashes over the it's exactly like that in New York too. Uh she winds up crashing over the hood of a police car. I've never seen that happen in, in one of these sorts of sequences before. I guess what's different is the paint spilling all yeah. over the place.
0: I've never seen green paint. I mean, I <laughs> have in, in general. <laughs>
1: right. <laughs> right, but but yeah, I've never seen green paint Actually, in this in this have situation. Have I ever
0: seen green paint in real life? I've seen paint in real life. I've seen white paint. I know that because most people paint their houses white. Um, well, and now... Are, have are I you... ever seen green... Oh, well... I've probably seen green paint when I used to get Little Games Workshop things and paint them up. Oh, sure, there you go. I have yeah, seen well, green orcs. paint in real life. Orcs, or- orcs gotta be green. I used to paint up some orcs. Yeah. yeah so yeah. you've seen
1: wet green paint before, you can recognize this.
0: I've seen S- wet green paint in... I wonder what colors of paint I haven't seen in real life.
1: Phantom <laughs> <laughs> I'll tell you
0: what, though. Watching it dry would have been better than watching this film.
1: Uh, hey, oh, huh? Brought it huh? back around. Hey, uh, hey, that, How's that, that for is a joke how you build your to a punchline, sir. That's right. You Fucking set them up with right. the paint. You work towards it. You build on it. You get that foundation. You lead them to forget that you're talking about a movie. Mm. That bam! Ooh. Oh yeah! Oh!
0: <laughs> <laughs> right. So anyway, Lara. Yeah. Got a so she she
1: crashes on this uh, this cop car. Uh, spilling paint all over. to the horror of the bike couriers who, I guess, caught up with her despite us frequently being shown her rear and none of them anywhere in sight mere seconds earlier. Like, they all get to watch her crash over this, but none of them were there. Maybe they
0: they were too lazy to, like, write these characters out. Well, but knew we'd never see them again so well, like or they cheesed it the moment they saw cops and then just hid for the rest of their lives as fugitives paint fugitives
1: there are a few of these instances in in the movie where there's just an incongruity like a, a continuity incongruity that just doesn't work in the context of the film but is there because the shot is more interesting with it present that's, uh, it comes up a few times, and it's not enough that if you're not a dick like me who is dedicating hours of his life to specifically nitpicking this kind of shit, you'd probably not notice it. But that's why I'm here, to provide that service. Um, at the police station, a woman Lara describes as Anna and her former guardian. Uh, arrives, and they have an awkward chat about how Lara doesn't have to live like this because she has a massive inheritance that she needs only signed paperwork declaring her father deceased to obtain. He's been gone for seven years, nobody's looking anymore, but Lara refuses to sign, even after being told that all of his assets will be sold off, including Croft Manor. I do like this Would that dialogue... we all
0: could make that choice, privileged posh sod?
1: <laughs> but I do like this dialogue exchange. I like the 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 uh The casual toad of it, again, setting up this community, a different community, a separate community from the one that she's made for herself that we're seemingly supposed to care about, but she will now completely ignore in favor of her quest. But... Um, I like this interaction between it's 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 it carried well. I the actress who's playing Anna is good, and the dialogue things you know like the line, uh, "How upset would he be if you if you lost the house?" I love that line, and it slides in there so perfectly. It's a fun little scene. Um, so someday, uh, Laura refuses all the same. She takes her bike to this kick-ass rooftop that. You know, only bike couriers in films ever get to go hang out at. And she Hmm. gets to be moody and have a flashback to being a child. And her father going away on a trip, giving her a jade amulet that had previously belonged to her mother. Uh, He calls it magic, able to make the people that you're thinking of know you're thinking of them. It's the kind of lie you tell a child before you leave them forever. Uh, And then she's gone and she's sad. Some day later, presumably the next day, but who knows. Uh, Lara enters a building, a glass, big glass building. It's a big, big egg shaped glass building. Is this a notable building in London? Because it seems like a big, important building.
0: Yeah, yeah. I can't remember what it's called. Um, Alex said it looked like a big butt plug.
1: Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. I can't remember what it's called, but it's you know it's part of the London skyline.
1: Mm-hmm. Oh, and and that was something that my my wife, who uh, sort of she's into cities and city design and and all of that. Uh, The first thing that she commented on when we were shown a skyline of London is how shitty London's skyline is. London itself is shit. Like, that's a whole mess of really ugly buildings clumped together in one place. (laughs) I don't... I do not understand the London skyline. It is hideous. Uh, So she goes into this glass building with Croft Holdings uh, uh, labeled on the lobby wall. Uh, The receptionist, rightly she's assuming a courier, but wrongly assuming she's here on courier business, tries to send her around the back, which gives her a chance to be cheeky while the smug prick has her sign in. Uh, They do the whole, oh, uh, what's your name? And then he hears the name and he's stunned and she smiles and it's fun. Uh, in a conference room upstairs, is given the paperwork to declare her father dead, but before she signs, the lawyer gives her a puzzle box that is part of the inheritance, and she gets distracted by it. Solving it as she explains that similar puzzles were all over her house growing up. And the top pops open and reveals a hidden chamber with a photo of And then of all Lara. these
0: hooks come out.
1: <laughs> yeah. God, that would have been a better movie.
0: Fuck yeah. Oh, fuck Tomb Raider how versus
1: Hellraiser?
0: Hellraiser? Oh! Oh my god, yes! Fuck yes! Oh god, someone option Hellraiser
1: now! Get dimension pictures on the line. Uh, they will do literally anything. Literally anything. Hmm. Oh yeah. Oh yeah, and have her running through the hell as depicted in the, as the labyrinth in Hellraiser 2. Oh, yeah, I mean, the, the the Tomb Raider people love
0: architecture that will kick the shit out of ya. Oh, god
1: damn, that would be so good. And then a Hellraiser movie with a budget? Wow.
0: We've not seen that since the 80s. Oh, did we see it in the
1: 80s? No. <laughs> <laughs> uh... So she gets distracted by this puzzle box, solving it, uh, and the top pops open and reveals this hidden chamber with a photo of Lara and her father and, and a key and a note that reads, the first letter from my final destination. Lara quickly deduces what this means and leaves never having signed the documents. Yeah. So she didn't accomplish the thing she set out to do. Arriving at Croft Manor, she heads directly for the family crypt finding the place where her father is supposed to eventually be interred and presses on the first letter of his name to find that there's a cover concealing a keyhole A uh, key goes into hole and reveals a passage under the crypt with a secret room full of archaeological research and relics that belong in a museum, damn it! Fucking thieves The upper class are nothing but fucking thieves.
0: They they are. They're cultural raiders. The the Tomb Raider bit is correct, because that is what these posh sods with plums in their mouths do. Fucking silver spoon entitled wankers. Eat the rich.
1: You you know what they also do? They also develop, like, incredibly uh, powerful battery technology. Right? (laughs) I mean, Elon, Elon Musk would be watching this movie and be like, oh, fuck, those bastards beat me to it. Because there is a (laughs) video camera that has been sitting on the desk here for seven years, and the battery still has enough charge to play the video.
0: Everyone who's ever owned a PS Vita or indeed any Sony handheld knows that the battery goes if you leave it for seven years because you've had nothing to do with it.
1: Every Sony device. And they all have their own batteries.
0: Yeah, and they all die.
1: (sighs) Well, the camera has a message for Lara from her father in the event of his death. He explains that following the death of Lara's mother, he traveled the world in search of proof of of the supernatural, hoping for evidence of a life after this one that he'd meet her in or some such bollocks. He also asks Lara to burn his research on the Himiko Project. Conveniently, the box is on the desk, too. Which, I i mean, I guess I'd do. I guess I'd leave it. Like, she's gone to enough effort to get in here that there's no reason to make her hunt for the documents you want her to destroy. So, thanks, Dad. I mean, that was thoughtful. Yeah. Uh, She opens it, begins poking around in his notes, listening to his recordings, basically defying the dying wish of her father. She hears him talk about the lost island of Yamatai, hiring a captain Like named. she
0: would have. Of course. Like she would... She w- she wouldn't have burned her dad's only shit that she yeah. had. Yeah, I mean, who like, do this st- This guy's an idiot. He should be in a quiet yeah. place.
1: <laughs> uh, he'd hired a captain to take him to this island, and, and, he, and he has to get there before Himiko's powers, whatever that means, falls into the wrong hands. Uh, continuing her pattern of brazen disrespect for the memory and wishes of her father, Lara next goes to a pawn shop to sell the jade amulet we saw earlier. Giving Nick Frost an exhaustive history of it and telling him it's his lucky day. This uh, was a
0: great scene because Nick Frost was fucking great. Because Nick because Frost Nick, always is.
1: Yes, Nick Frost could be put into anything; it would be great. Uh, it, it's his his flirting interaction, his uh, playing off the flirting with the other woman he operates the shop with. Um, that love it. It's delightful. Uh, There's some fierce negotiating that sees the price go from 10000 to £8,000 as she tries to convince him to give her more, and he takes more away. Always a fun gag. And then she spills... See, now how does it feel, Lara? That's what the upper class do all the time. That's right. Take and take. And so she heads for Hong Kong. Uh, At a port she goes in search of the boat her father commissioned, asking around until a group of young men offer to give direction. But it's a ruse aimed at distracting her so that they may steal her backpack. Chasing happens. Uh, eventually, after running across and through several boats, Lara Cat tackles the kid with her bag and forces him to return it before releasing him to his friends. But they're not going to take this lying down, and that guy pulls a knife, and reverse yeah, chasing apparently, happens. apparently these random robbers think that one Mark's
0: bag is worth a stabbing in broad daylight. Right. That didn't make much sense to me. Like, she's proven herself more than capable, and also it's broad daylight. Write the bag off. Apparently it's very easy for you to steal
1: them. Get another. Right, there's always going to be another bag that yeah. you could just grab. Yeah. There are going to be other bags.
0: Jesus.
1: Unreal. But anyway, so they... They chase her back. Uh, Eventually, Lara winds up on the boat that she was trying to get to in the first place. How convenient. And its drunk captain appears to scare off the street toughs with a rifle. But he's not done. Uh, And insists that Lara leave also. Uh, He speaks great English. So that's cool. Uh, And fortunately for Lara, he passes out and falls uh, onto the lower deck of his ship uh, into a pile of garbage. Laura takes the captain to a shower and sprays him with water to rouse him, showing him the email exchange with her father. He confirms that he is Lou Ren, but then so was his dad, who has also been missing for the last seven years. Again, what an amazing coincidence. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Laura.
0: Incidentally, tra- the character stops having any personality now.
1: Right about now. Yeah.
0: Like they, they, they set him up to be a funny, drunk, belligerent character. Well, but and, then and, that goes. And he has he the... sobers up and he's
1: he does the hungover, disinterested thing for a bit in this scene. And that would have fit. But then that, that just sort of starts to smooth all the edges off. And and then he's, yes, a standard, not even a love interest, which I guess I appreciate. It's almost seemed like he, they were well, starting to, to push it in that direction. but The word interest doesn't belong there. <laughs> right. Yes.
0: He's just a guy. He's just bloke. That's all he is now. He is just a bloke.
1: Yeah. Yeah. He is, uh, he is Liu Kang in Mortal Kombat. Just not interesting. Oh, God. I just, sorry, sorry.
0: Uh, Facebook, you know, I'll update and I've just got it on the screen while we talk. I wasn't mm-hmm. particularly looking at stuff. Um, I was just trying to get a video linked. And then I just saw a, a footage of Theresa May dancing and that's just made me feel upset. Sorry. Carry on. Ugh. She dances? Uh, no. Oh, okay. Right. I saw her dancing, but she doesn't dance. She was doing some half-hearted patronizing thing with some kids on oh. some fucking diplomatic trip or something. Of it's course. Just, oh, God, it was just so cringeworthy. Well. Fucking three steps away from Lara, that one. Posh, sod, <laughs> taking jobs from the poor.
1: Laura tries to convince the reluctant Lu Ren to follow in their father's footsteps, suggesting that she has coordinates if she could figure out how to decode them from the symbols in her father's journal, which Lu Ren does immediately by observing that they're clock hands, because he sees them and he sees the clock in his same view. Simple enough. Observing the aftermath of a poker game, Lara then tries to ply him with money that she has from selling the amulet, and that manages to convince him, uh, and he says that she'll need an experienced captain to, to get her there safely. So as they travel, we get more of Richard Croft's recordings, which reveal there's some sort of big door to get through on the island and a set of ordeals. Uh, referred to as the Chasm of Souls, the Faces of Himiko, and something to do with hundreds of handmaidens before you can actually get to the tomb proper. Uh, Richard also ex- reveals the existence of a secret organization called Trinity that seeks to control the supernatural and rule the world. He sus- uh, uh, and, and, they, and he thinks they want to use this Himiko as a weapon of some kind. So, cool. More exposition. Uh, that night... A restless Lara goes above deck to watch the sunset, not realizing that this would indicate that they are traveling west and not northeast, as one would if one were traveling by boat from Hong Kong to an island off the coast of Japan. Mm-hmm. Just, you know.
0: This boat she is so Lu- shit as well.
1: Yeah, yeah, but it they doesn't did, look like it should float. They did it for the shot. They did it so because it was more dramatic yeah. to have them sailing into the, you know, the sunset. But they, they wouldn't be... You want things that'll look good in a trailer. Yeah. Yeah, I also... Uh, I, I question... I question Lou Ren's competency as an experienced captain. But we'll get back to that. Cut to flashback where a teenage Lara is practicing archery, repeatedly missing an apple on a stump... Once again, Richard is leaving on a trip, and Anna is going to take care of her in his absence, something that Lara resists, saying she can take care of herself by this point. It's a dream, and Lara is awakened to the ship being rocked by violent waters. She joins Louren Ren on the bridge, and he's pretty not chill about the whole situation. Uh, the ship hits some rocks surrounding the island, and Louren Ren declares that they must abandon the ship. Uh a- Lara runs back for her father's notes, and then the pair attempt to reach the lifeboat while the ship bounces like a pinball between rocks. Uh, Shipwrecking happens. Uh, Lou Ren is tossed from the ship by a massive wave, and Lara leaps off as it breaks apart on a huge rock shortly thereafter. She swims to shore, and crawling on the beach, sees the shapes of people before she's knocked out with a rifle butt. Laura wakes in a tent with a dude opening a can of peaches. And dude tells her that she hit her head on a reef and that he saved her from drowning, which is totally not what happened. He also has her backpack. Oh, and he knows her name. And he introduces himself as Matthias Vogel and offers her yep. food. This is Walton Goggins. Walton
0: Goggins. W-
1: what else was Walton Goggins in?
0: Uh, I only know him from Vice Principals. Okay. Okay. A very, f- a very funny, very dark show.
1: Yeah, about uh,
0: Danny McBride. Um, Danny McBride and uh, Walton Goggins are two vice principals that uh, want the principal job uh, after the old principal leaves and uh, conspire to ruin the life of the new principal. And it's, it's very funny. And the characters are just so... It's a Danny McBride vehicle, so the characters are irredeemable. Mm -hmm. Um, And it just gets fascinating. It's fucking funny, but it's also just, oh my God, these characters are really horrible. Uh, And then that becomes the sort of the conflict of it, is you don't want to root for them at all, Mm -hmm. but you are fascinated as to how far they'll go. And in between is, you know, plenty of Danny McBride awkward humour. Yeah,
1: yeah. Well, uh, Laura is, uh... Oh, as as, uh, he offers her the peaches, and as she's eating them, Vogel really puts the crazy shine on, uh, saying he's been here for years, and the only person to talk to is on a sat phone, and that person says he can't leave until he's done what he's here to do, and he does all sorts of odd jobs, and he just seems like a bad guy. Just like a good guy. And... Laura retrieves her backpack, looks for her father's journal, but can't find it because Vogel's holding it. He's pretty amused because oh, he's the bad guy looking for the entrance to the tomb. Okay, that that solves it. Uh, and he knew that Richard knew it, and 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 here it is. Richard's research dropped in his lap, so that's like super convenient for him. He's in a he's in a good mood about all this. Uh, oh, and he tells Laura he killed her father. So that's some bummer news for her. Kind of stunned, she stumbles out of the tent to find demolition charges being exploded. This is a, like a weird rough transition. Like she comes out the tent flat and it cuts to a shot of a rock wall being exploded with explosion, you know, with They with did set it charges. up nicely
0: though because you hear the booms throughout the conversation in the tent. Yeah. So you know something's coming. I thought that was actually a well well, uh, paced little scene with the booming, and then she walks out and
1: boom, crack a boom. It's fine, but what they do is it, they do this close zoom. That it, it, oh that no, almost, it's it's not filmed great when it happens. Like it, it seems to suggest that it's a lot closer to her position than it is at first glance, because it cuts directly from her looking out to this very close up zoomed shot of an explosion in a rock face. And then you come to find, oh, no, it's like a football field away. <laughs> She's, there's all these people, uh, all these uh, uh, people moving around supplies and shit in ragged clothing and, and dudes with guns between her and that. Um, uh, yeah, and, and, oh, and, hey, there's Lou Ren. How convenient. There's a whole operation going on here. And Vogel soon comes out of the tent to tell people that, hey, this operation's packing up and, and moving out. And uh, Lara is, has her hands bound and she's in, you know, prisoner status. So as this entire camp then moves in a line through a forest on this island, Lara and Lu get to do a little catching up. He explains that the people here are mostly shipwrecked sailors and human trafficking victims. Lara apologizes for having brought him here in the first place and they have this awkward exchange of, well, we're not dead yet and no shit. This line feels so dead and empty and out of place in this. It felt like the writers were trying to do something clever and witty and this was the best they could come up with and and rather than just say, you know, we don't need a clever thing. They said, fuck it, (laughs) we'll put it in.
0: Well, it's at this point, and I think this is the moment where all the personalities have been left. Now they're yeah. gone. Every character. There
1: are, with, every character with a personality, with the exception of Vogel, whose personality isn't complicated. You know, it's it's much what you'd expect from a bad guy villain in a situation like this. Yeah, He's, I mean,
0: even him is. It's even he is like generic villain
1: yeah he's he's, he doesn't
0: even go into the full sort of mad isolated ranting and raving stuff he's
1: he's not even interesting enough for that he's barely the nazi that burns his hand in uh raiders yeah like barely Uh, like he's he if a little bit of work he could get there and be interesting on that level but that guy's just interesting because he burned his hand yeah, you got a funny-looking yep. face, Pretty too. much.
0: But... So, yeah, like, everything they've established about Lara, everything they've established about Lou Ren, it's just, no, just gone. There's no, Lou there's... Ren has no personality left. She's got nothing. They're just reacting to events.
1: Yeah. Uh, the group arrives at a, the base of a mountain and begin the work of moving the supplies up it. One of the slaves has a coughing fit and stops working, so after a bit of Lou Ren and Lara asking their captors to, to maybe, you know, cut the guy some slack Vogel nonchalantly shoots the ill man and then threatens Lara by unnecessarily cocking his semi-automatic pistol in dramatic fashion Uh, he doesn't need to cock the gun here he just fired a round in fact in order for him to have cocked the gun he would have needed to uncock it and then cock it again dramatically yeah which would have been great that would have been great that, that, see, that would have worked better for me because then, yeah, then he shoots he just...
0: the dude then he's all like hold on a second
1: Yeah, he shoots the guy, he uncocks it, you know, lowers the gun a little bit, and then just decides to turn. That's creepier. Like, he was prepared to not shoot someone else, but now he's reconsidering it. Um, As everyone's going back to work, Lou Ren decides to take the opportunity to attack one of the guards with a shovel, allowing Lara to attempt escape. Lou Ren also tries to get away, but is shot in the abdomen. And after a brief chase, Lara moves into a rapidly moving river, Uh, that she falls off of a log to land in. Yeah. Now,
0: here's what should have been the film, but instead Uh is a throwaway nod, a gesture.
1: Yeah. Uh, There's all this chase stuff uh, that it should have been the whole of the movie, the, you know, running across this log and then falling and then getting the crap beat out of her. She's tumbled down river. Uh, Vogel calls his man off saying he'll send one specific dude. I think his name is Rocket. Is that because he resembles the raccoon? I'm not sure. Uh. uh but he's he just happens to be the either one. Either way, was hit he's by got no shovel. personality. None. Doesn't need one. Uh meanwhile, Laura gets to the inevitable waterfall in this river, because of course. Uh this time it has the rotted hulk of a Japanese bomber plane on the edge of it. Uh I have seen this done somewhere else before.
0: Hell, I think I've seen it in if not this guy, if not one of the Tomb Raiders, then uh, something similar in Uncharted once. Yeah,
1: because that, that's the thing. I, I don't know if this is. Uh, I mean, because I didn't see it in the Tomb Raider gang a game. I don't know if it was done in there, but it feels like an Uncharted-y thing to do. Yeah. Um, or or like you know enslaved one of those more on railsy climbing traversal games. Um. She climbs top a wing that's spanning the falls, which begins to disintegrate under her weight and then jumps to the body of the plane and climbs inside, which lets her take a little breather. Uh, She finds a a sharp bit of some metal to cut the ropes that are tying her hands together and gets to working on that when the plane shifts again and begins falling over the edge of the falls uh, to her chagrin and her uh, expressed exasperation. Uh, Winding up with Lara in the cockpit upside down, basically waiting to die. But she spies a parachute just barely in reach and grabs it as the plane finally careens down the cliff, opening the rotted chute to give her just a little bit of glide uh, and, and prevent her from going squish. And she winds up back into the forest. On the ground, Lara has a chunk of metal in her tummy that she's got to pull out before... Wandering to the beach and realizing that, oh yeah, I've got no fucking way off this island. And that night, as she's trying to get some sleep, she's awakened by rustling leaves and snapping twigs, indicating a predator is coming in her direction. And this would have been a great idea, a great opportunity for like an animal rather than yeah. just having him show up.
0: Animals are in the game, they're not in this film.
1: They are not. Uh, Do we even that...
0: see any wildlife in this film?
1: <laughs> no, none. It's Um, just
0: struck me that I think we only ever see trees. Is there any animal in this film at all? At any point? Just the fox's tail on the back of a bicycle at the beginning.
1: Wow.
0: I'm trying to remember. I don't think I saw a single fucking animal. Maybe some birds at best, but I don't remember any.
1: I don't recall any either. That is so strange.
0: Fucking, this film is such a waste. This <laughs> film is a waste of the premise and a waste of the license. They might as well are not fucking bothered.
1: Uh, money. S- it exists only for money. So it's the dude from the camp that Vogel sent after her, and he, he gets the jump on her all the same uh, before some fighting happens. And then in what should be and, and quite possibly is the most powerful scene in the film... She drowns him face down in a puddle.
0: Yeah, she uses her entire body weight on his back and head to, like, keep him in the puddle. And it's uh, not a badly done scene.
1: No, it's Like, effective. it showed her
0: using resourcefulness to, like, deal with this bigger, stronger dude and, like, and, keep him down.
1: And this is the shit that this film, again, should be made out of. Yes. Yes, right.
0: it should have been this, like, her being resourceful and taking out these... Fucking guys with guns and
1: shit. And coming to terms with her own power. Like, that's. There's great opportunity to build a character with depth and nuance that you want to see through multiple films.
0: Well, hell, even if you don't want the depth and nuance, a character would be nice. Sure, I'd settle. It's like with this dude that she drowns, he's established in an earlier scene uh, that the camera just sort of dollies past and he leers at her. And it's like okay, they're setting him up to like have these sort of horrible villainous designs on her, but they don't follow it up with writing. He just comes after her because he's sent after her, displays no personality whatsoever, and he's drowned. Give me a scene. They didn't bother writing what they were trying to set up.
1: Give me a scene that's a little more from his perspective. That's him doing the hunt, you know, where we can almost seeing through the eyes of the uh, predator type deal. You know, give us a little bit of that. Extend this hunt out over a broader length of the film so that there's a payoff. No, it's just over. And the payoff is supposed to be that this is a turning point for the character, that she's killed a man. And it is, I guess. But like everything else in this, the power of that is just gone because it's deflated and ignored. And now she's just a badass.
0: One thing, well, they did get that right from the game. There's one scene where she's a bit regretful about killing a dude, and then it's just firing arrows into people's (laughs) eyeballs and loving it. (laughs) So they did get that right, because the very next scene is like her shooting arrows at dudes and not giving a fuck. So Pretty soon
1: thereafter, yeah. Uh, Oh, yeah, not
0: the next scene, but but very soon after. Yeah,
1: it's it's not going to take long. Uh, After after grappling with having killed a man, she spots someone observing her and presumably wanting there to be no witnesses, follows them to the beach where they climb a (laughs) rope up a sheer rock face, uh, raising it after them. Undeterred, Lara Croft climbs the Cliffs of Insanity to discover her bearded father in a cave. Uh, and this was all very understated as well, this it scene. Is. It
0: just Oh right, there's a dad alive. Okay. Yeah, uh,
1: and you know, I I really hoped for a sort of Inigo Montoya man in black scene, you know, throw me the rope. I'm not throwing you the rope. But no, just just uh You're, you're, you're just, a hallucination. Oh. That could have been a lot more fun. Yeah. Uh, Uh, instead he just, you know, thinks he's nuts and is seeing things because he's had hallucinations of her in the past, and then after reminding him of the the specific way in which they would blow kisses to each other that we've seen in a couple of flashbacks now, Richard accepts that she's actually there, and Laura collapses from her pre-existing wounds. Yes. Yes, her pre-existing wounds. Yes, that piece of metal. Yes, that rolling around in that fetid fucking forest water, drowning uh. the man in the puddle. Her shit's so infected. Like, so
0: infected. <laughs> She's going to need an antibiotic. Uh,
1: He apparently still has a first aid kit, though. All these years later, it sutures her, her up to her displeasure. Well, as
0: fucking rich as he is, he probably bought 50 that could have gone to the poor. Well, it's... By the way, I don't have a working glass chip on my
1: shoulder because I am fat and I have eaten it. Well, ahead of ahead of him arriving on the island uh, by boat, he had a plane fly over and drop packages all over <laughs> to prepare for his arrival. <laughs> He's so fucking rich, why didn't he fly there? Yeah. These guys flew here?
0: <sighs> well, what a fucking idiot. What a tit.
1: <laughs> uh, back at uh, Vogel's camp, the slave crews has uncovered the door to Himiko's tomb. And Vogel calls back to base and orders a transport. Neat. Lara wakes up, finds her father gone again. But he's just on the beach cleaning up his beard. Uh, interesting how now the exit of the cave exits directly out to the beach as opposed to requiring that whole cliff climbing thing, but the fuck do I know. Uh he's getting respectable. She tries to help him trim his beard while he asks how she fared in his absence and maybe when she's holding scissors isn't the best time for such a conversation. You know, with yeah, your my daughter life. that you abandoned. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but then he gets into his whole save the world line and how Vogel, you know, will never find fa- find the tomb because Richard is quote unquote dead and Lara burned the research. Except Lara didn't burn the research, which he should really have figured out because she's here.
0: Yeah, very presumptuous and a uh, little bit misguided.
1: He has he has no room to be pissed off that she didn't do it at this point. Because he's such a fucking idiot for not realizing that there's no way she could have done it.
0: Yeah, and not burning it himself before he left. That's yeah. something we need to know. Like, he was... So he convinced was aware that he enough was right. That this, yeah. He was so aware that this knowledge was bad that he filmed himself and that take,
1: with it before and, he left. And that taking the knowledge to the island itself was a risk. Because he's aware of these people who are racing for him. And if he took the island, took the knowledge to the island there and something went wrong, now the knowledge that he's gained on how to get through all this shit is there as well, making it easier for the person who's coming. So, yes,
0: it's... He wanted this stuff burned.
1: His goal was to Burn destroy it. all the shit. So...
0: It's like he wanted the knowledge to die with him, right? The best way to do that is to burn it all so it's just in your fucking head, along with hallucinations about your fucking daughter, your
1: rich daughter. Which, I mean, you know, he kept forgetting the importance she had in favor of his stupid quest, so maybe he was worried he wouldn't be able to remember the details. Well, mean, apparently they don't back.
0: teach basic consequences in fucking posho university, do they, John <laughs> Crofty posho wanker. I lived on a council estate, mate. There was no
1: Oxford or Cambridge for me. But Richard is pissed all the same uh, that he underestimated her bravery, which doesn't feel like the right word here.
0: Yeah, well, she was like, oh, you think I thought I was stupid? And he's like, no, I think you're brave. Sometimes they're, you know, two sides on the same coin, isn't it?
1: Yeah, I would have gone with stubborn or obstinate or determined. Any of those would better describe what she did.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. It wasn't brave to not burn some paper.
1: Right. The the, 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 the bravery is going to have to come later. <laughs> but that's not the inspiration. Uh, yeah. Laura attempts to persuade him to strike back at Vogel, and when he resists, she takes his bow and arrow and goes to do it herself. Uh, running back to, to the camp... She first does some stealthy infiltration around Vogel's tent because, uh, I guess it was in the game, right? A little bit of stealth? Uh,
0: yeah, yeah, game. yeah,
1: that was sneaking about. Yeah. Uh, she's there just in time to hear him come back and bitch about not having a combination to the door and ordering that they try explosives again, indicating that they've are This is a thick fucking door, then, if they've already attempted to use explosives to open it once. And and we've brought this up before, I know, but I, I always admire the technological prowess of ancient civilizations and their ability to construct very elaborate traps and doors.
0: It makes you wonder why, you know, their civilizations aren't around now and in charge of fucking
1: everything. Well, because they all died due to their own traps. (laughs) Yes (laughs) <laughs> yes <laughs> They built. They Someone gets traps. locked
0: in the house And they can't get out Like I can't find my keys I'm gonna starve to death In my impenetrable tank
1: house <laughs> uh, Black mirror Black mirrored uh, Laura then finds Lu Ren With a bunch of slaves Killing uh, the guard that's overseeing them I guess they're on a lunch break or something uh, Lou Ren takes his gun uh, from this dead dead guy. And escaping happens. And uh, over the course of this whole escape sequence, Lou Ren is the only person in this whole movie to make use of the grenade launcher that's on everybody's gun. I just felt like pointing that out. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I don't know why. I think they just needed to throw an explosion in.
0: They needed something. People were falling asleep at uh-huh. this point.
1: That's uh, it's quite, quite probable. Near the tube entrance, Lara spots her father nosing around the big door, and then Vogel shows up and captures him, demanding that Richard open it. Richard refuses, and when it looks like he's going to be shot, Lara takes out the guard. It's leading to a standoff. Appealing to her suspicion that her father's completely lost his mind, Vogel convinces Lara to open it instead. And so she turns the various cylindrical things on the door, like one of her puzzles, and we're reminded that she's good at puzzles because we showed flashbacks of her doing puzzles. Because she had the La on box. And she quickly opens it, revealing a deep cave. And they descend into the cave with a handful of guards. This is now Lara Vogel Richard Guards. Walk- at
0: this point I said to Alex, if I wasn't watching this movie for work, I'd have turned it off by now.
1: Yep. This is the uh, Resident Evil team penetration sequence. This is the you know every fucking tomb entry sequence. I mean, they always go into these fucking things with the good guys, the bad guys having to go in at the same time, and work together to some extent to make it through, even though they're working at odds. Fucking and yeah,
0: and let's face it: after the Brendan Fraser mummy film perfected all of this. All tomb sequences. Mm-hmm. There was never a need for another one because *The Mummy* is the world's most perfect film. <laughs> it's got a man covered in locusts saying, "What have we done? You don't are... get better than
1: that. Don't get wife. better than that." You and my wife like that movie. I
0: do. That movie is fucking great. Brendan Fraser's finest hour. I, he's was charming. on. I don't know if you. I don't know if you noticed this, right? But Benny was on the wrong side of the river. <laughs> How is that not the greatest? What a great film? What a great film the mummy is. I haven't seen the new one. I don't want to. uh
1: yeah, no, I didn't. Oh,
0: I liked I could do without the dark cinematic universe. you desperate fucks.
1: Oh uh, you see I uh, okay i I didn't need it to be like a dark edge Lord cringy shit. but the idea of reviving all of the the uh classic movie monsters. In in a uh, a cinematic universe that it, does It was done to with
0: me. good intentions, but it, it wasn't. It was rushed out because they everyone's seen Marvel's success and they think they're entitled to it.
1: Right. And that's the thing. It's like this is not the first time it was done. Is is the other bit. Like the actual like kind of model for all of this is Abbott and Costello beat the Wolfman and all of these, like, sure, they did sure. a ton of that shit back in there the day. There was lots of
0: crossovers and shit, and, you know, if they'd have done this properly... Why didn't they do it not that done it, way?
1: That if way. they hadn't
0: have done it so dark and edgelordy, they could have led all this up to a remake of The Monster Squad, and we would live in the world's best movies. The template was there. All they had to do was fucking follow it. No they couldn't because Infinity War was You know on the press and And ready to come out and everything was leading there And they're like we gotta get there as quickly As possible but they, so let's Lose our shit But
1: they, then at the same time like They're not seeing DC And being like but not that Because that's what they did Yeah
0: Well because they don't They only look at the successful thing And think we need to be there Yesterday we can't we don't have time to do what Marvel did and actually build towards it in a way that won't look cynical and pathetic. But no. Desperate, pathetic filth.
1: <sighs>
0: well, Anyway, a- back to this.
1: Uh, so, a- as you might expect, there are traps uh, that are set off by uh, plates in the floor in, in this tomb. Um, very original. Uh, the first one causes some spikes to shoot up from the floor. And impale through the the crotch one of the armed people accompanying them. Richard makes the point that, hey, this looks like it was there not to keep people out, but to keep them in. Well, thank you for that insight, Richard. We really appreciate it. Um, They find the Chasm of Souls, which is a wide pit filled with a massive pile of bones... And a ladder is used as a bridge. Lara is made to cross first, followed by the rest of the gang. Then they arrive in a chamber that has walls lined with prayer wheels and become trapped when the doors on either side close and the floor begins dropping out from underneath them. Can we design some new traps? I feel like everything I'm seeing, I've seen a thousand times in other you know, descend into the tomb sequences. Could these ancient civilizations have just been maybe a little more original? Were they all operating off of blueprints that they shared?
0: Yeah. I don't... Some some original it. traps would have been nice, but we don't get that.
1: No, we don't. What we do get instead is... Uh, well, okay, now, in fairness, it wouldn't be Tomb Raider without a light puzzle.
0: Yeah.
1: So, here it is. I hate light puzzles.
0: I hate them. They're so tired and they're so
1: done. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. She sees a shaft of light coming through the far door, and they locate colored bits of glass and the prayer wheels lining the walls of the room, and Lara figures out that it's a color puzzle, and after working about on the clues from Richard's research, does a yellow and blue makes green thing, which is the first thing you try anytime, Like, always. Green means go. <sighs> Fucking video games. Uh, the group then proceeds to find the tomb itself. Uh, meanwhile, Lou Ren goes looking for Lara and has the support of this entire band of former slaves somehow. Because, his dad had also died there previously, and they liked him. I've literally gotten I like I can't like. Fine.
0: Yeah. I, I'm. Fine. I'm not gonna argue it. <laughs>
1: In the tube, they pass through a crypt containing the corpses of Himiko's handmaidens, and Lara acknowledges that all of this fits right in with Richard's research, and finally they come upon a stone coffin. Vogel orders it open to reveal Himiko's super well-preserved corpse that immediately begins rapid rotting upon exposure to the air. Vogel orders his men to prepare the body for transport. And looking around, Lara realizes that the paintings on the wall do not depict a monster being forced here, but Himiko, coming to this place voluntarily, and realizes that she was sacrificing herself to protect the world. Oh. Uh, as the guards try to remove Himiko from the coffin, the corpse does a fun jump scare thing rigged to a mechanism. Um, and Vogel... It was so
0: st- <laughs> They go through all of these death traps And the last thing they've got Is basically what you see in a ghost train At the fair Yep,
1: yep, pretty much uh- I'm sure
0: that she appreciated That in death Right, what you're going to do is you're going to rig me up To a fucking ghost train <laughs> thing To make my-, my corpse pop out Like try and add a scream And maybe those weird whistles that you get in the ghost train Woo! That's what I want they didn't get that bit in, unfortunately. I well, love
1: that. that. you know, they. I, I suspect that the, the handmaidens, um, or, or, or the, all the dead skeletons that are all over this fucking place, I suspect that most of them were people who died trying to uh, carve holes in the sides of the mountain that would produce the specific wailing noises. And they just couldn't <laughs> get it done, you know?
0: Yeah. Uh, it's... Man, they should have put a werewolf head, like, mask on her skull as well. That would really spook them. Have a couple Dracula's hanging around.
1: But then shit goes bad. One of the guards starts developing a really bad rash, and Lara realizes that Hibiko was the carrier of some kind of disease transmitted by touch. And the infected guard loses his shit and becomes aggressive, so Vogel shoots him. Now here's the thing about this whole, like, that, that whole Carnival Fair pop-up thing that should make this more horrifying, but they couldn't do. I, I, I would not be surprised if this was put into the script at some point and then pulled out, but that fucking rotted, desiccated, powdery corpse... If this is transmitted by touch, meaning that there's something on the surface of her skin that is transmitting this viral agent. If her skin turns to dust and then she suddenly sits up and displaces all of this skin dust into the air.
0: I was just thinking that it's catapulting the disease at you.
1: Right. So in fairness to the people designing the tube, pretty good idea. Yeah. As for the writers, fuck you. <laughs> mm. uh, the affected guard gets shot. Vogel, realizing that there's an easier way to deal with all of this than carrying the body back, opts to prune a finger from Himiko and tucks it into a plastic baggie. While he's doing this, Lara spots a pickaxe, uh, a very iconic-looking pickaxe, and yep. it surprises one of the two remaining guards with it. Laura's forced to flee the chamber, chased by the guy she stabbed, while Richard and Vogel have each other pinned down in the tomb uh, with guns. Eventually, the other guard that was in the room, who was also lifting the corpse, he appears all death-zombied out and attacks Richard, wounding him while Vogel makes his escape. Laura then climbs across the corpse of the handmaidens, hiding from the guy chasing her, but gets found, and then chased through another trapped corridor with some spinning cylinders of spikes that eventually take out the guard. I don't know why this side chamber even exists, uh, because it clearly wasn't on the path they walked down before. Uh, Laura returns to the chamber with the coffin, where Richard reveals that he's been infected, and after a heart-wrenching farewell, Richard sends her to deal with Vogel while he destroys the the tube with the rest of Himiko's corpse in it by uh, using left-behind explosives. Uh, Lara then catches up with Vogel at the Chasm of Souls while he's walking across the ladder and she jumps ahead of him and confronts him. Some fighting happens and she brings Vogel back to the near side of the chasm before kicking the ladder down and trapping them both inside the tomb. More fighting happens as Vogel attempts to kill Lara with her own iconic weapon. Before this can happen, however, Richard detonates the the explosives in the tomb, distracting Vogel long enough for Lara to get the upper hand, and shoved the desiccated finger of Himiko into Vogel's mouth. And then for good measure, she kicks him into the chasm and he falls doing a combination of the, I should have seen Paris fall with the, I opened the Ark of the Covenant rod. You know, two for one. Yeah. And uh, with the tube collapsing around her, Lara manages to barely leap across the chasm using the pickaxe to climb up from the ledge. She then runs the rest of the way out, but it's unclear if she escaped. Until 20 seconds later, when Lou Ren happens to be there to see the rope that she was climbing up move, and reunited. Yeah. Well, I am so
0: worried. I so I'm worried so she concerned. wouldn't have gotten out.
1: Yep, reunited. Yeah. They repeat the "not dead yet, not dead yet, no shit" line from before, which explains why it had to be there.
0: <laughs> that was the big twist of the film, is we found we found out why they had that exchange earlier. Oh, I get it now. It was so that they could say it again.
1: The transport Vogel ordered arrives, and the slaves, with Lara and Lou Red hijack it to escape the island. Back in London, Lara signs the paperwork declaring Richard deceased. She agrees to have Anna continue to oversee the day-to-day operations of the company, and the lawyer provides her with a thick book of assets that the company owns. As she's flipping through, she pauses and confirms with the lawyer that these are all now her assets, and then goes home and back to the crypt because she made a connection and has realized that, oh, my God, her family has owned the company that is financing the paramilitary organization that's trying to steal all the supernatural shit and rule the world. And Anna's been behind it the whole time. It is a big If you played
0: Rise of the Tomb Raider, you are waiting for this penny to drop the whole film. Right.
1: Yeah. Because this is, like, a pretty significant portion of that that story, is the...
0: It's a twist in Rise of the Tomb Raider, like, at the midpoint. Yeah,
1: yeah. yeah. Uh, And so this uh, sets her up to now go through the Trinity research that her father did and start stopping these bad people. And... uh, uh, Richard probably would have noticed this if he hadn't been gallivanting all around the world looking for the afterlife, I'm just saying. Yeah, if, if, he, if had he wasn't been,
0: busy abandoning his daughter.
1: If he had been the kind of Croft that Lara thought he was the kind of Croft and that she was not, instead turning out to be exactly the kind of Croft her father was with no actual interest <laughs> in the business, if he'd been that kind of Croft, none of this shit would have happened. Would've this movie should have been bud. called
0: that because that's what it was. It was <laughs> a kind of Croft.
1: <laughs> Uh, We get the film title at this point. Uh, Now a full hour and 46 minutes into the proceedings. (laughs) So there's your exposition. Lara returns to the pawn shop to retrieve her amulet to Nick Frost's disappointment. As they chat, she notices that they've got a whole fucking bunch of guns at display at the back of the shop that they didn't close up. Wow, it's just
0: out there looking
1: really cool for us to see, and for for an American audience, they might they might not realize what a big fucking deal that is. Yeah, because they do not have guns in London, or at least like not that. Not look,
0: yeah, not a giant display of them in a pawn shop, no. I mean, that's they Maybe things have changed since I lived there.
1: I mean I I'm sure that if you wanted to find a gun in London, there are avenues through which you could find guns. My next
0: door neighbour had an entire armed response unit turn up once because they heard he had a gun in the house. A gun. It was fucking freaky seeing that many cops with guns out there. You never see that in England.
1: Yeah. Uh, that's just it, you know, it's a, it's, as as Americans, we'd see all these guns, I think, and just be like, oh, okay, it's a pawn shop, sure. They're full of guns. It's always what, guns What are they going to have, not guns? <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, Lara picks out a couple of H&Ks to finish her costume.
0: Because you're like, oh, she's going to get the two guns. Oh, ah, the
1: two, <laughs> like, Oh, got the two guns. Yeah. Ah. oh fuck. I'll take two, is the, uh... Because of the two,
0: because the cause game... Because of the two. Oh, you're the two. Because, guys the, yeah. because she's the wrong Lara Croft, because that's not what she fucking has in the reboots.
1: No, they literally brought her all the way back around to original Lara Croft.
0: <laughs> because they might as well have just carried on from the Angelina Jolie ones, because that's all they wanted to do. That's clearly all they wanted to do. Also, given the, where the title comes up, in this, I like to think that everything we saw was an introduction, and the real whole movie was just her in <laughs> that pawn shop getting the guns. <laughs> Credits roll, end of movie. And that, I loved it. If that's
1: all this film was, that, that actually well, that makes sense. That's this is the film about how she became the Tomb Raider by buying yeah. those two guns in that pawn shop.
0: How she became the Tomb Raider from the old games.
1: <laughs> Did you like it or not? It's, like I say. it's competent. The action sequences are fine. The special effects in the boat sequence are fine. They're not, like, amazing, but they had the presence of mind to, you know, have uh, it happen at night. As opposed to the experienced fucking captain who knows the dangers of these waters and approaches said island at fucking night. I forgot how pissed yeah. off I was about that. That's incredibly stupid. Uh, no, it's not a great movie. And it's not even a great Tomb Raider movie, I don't think. It, it fails to capitalize on the opportunities presented by the reboot. Just yeah, it, I mean, outright. It, it
0: basically it ignores the reboot, except to make gestures towards it. It wanted... I think it just it absolutely wanted to be another... Because the old Tomb Raider games were good for... Basic schlock action movie fair. Sure. And that's all they really wanted to do.
1: And and the movies I think still hold up as basic schlock action movie fair. Like they're not. They hold up better than this one does as well, because this one
0: it feels almost like it's It's reaching for something more, but but then decides not to. to. Yeah. Yeah. It's like they realized they've gotta base it off the new ones to stay relevant, but they didn't want to do that. So we get this thing that is
1: nothing. Like that would have re- that would have been challenging. That would have required something more than just meeting perfunctory plot plot beats and putting people yeah. in the tomb. Yeah, and that's all it
0: was. It was just so by the numbers, bog standard film. Now, and there are you do not need to waste your time ever seeing this.
1: That said. There is a part of me that wants to believe that this has all of the makings of good exposition for a much better sequel. Um, I I can see opportunities for them to go back to those fucking characters that we were interested in that they forgot about and make them a more integral part of Lara's life. Um, yeah, there's there are there's enough set up in this that there's the faintest glimmer of hope for something salvageable to come out of it down the road but as it sits right here it's just meh uh a lot of a lot of potentially good ideas set up and then quickly abandoned uh in favor of a rote generic thing that we've seen a million times before yeah so what are we doing um, next time, absolutely. Jim? I guess we said it at the top, but remind yeah, me. Yeah, cha- was it Chasing Ghosts? Chasing Ghosts, yes, that's correct. This is, oh, I'm very, very I'm excited. looking forward
0: to this. Yeah, I, I've been, ever since you spoke, up in the King of Kong episode. This is, uh, for those who can't remember, or if you're new, um, you will be new, because I, I guess I could still crack on that no one listens to an episode of these twice. <laughs> um, yeah, this is the documentary That follows up on uh, some of the characters from King of Kong, and uh, I believe has some new, new people to
1: enjoy. Yeah, they were shot roughly at the same time, um, or within. And I think I think King of Kong might have been shot first, shot later, but came first. Um, but this, they're roughly contemporary, within a a year. uh, They were released within the same year, and uh, they go deeper into the personalities. It's less about the events and um, fascinating uh, there's some, some good old friends there's some some good fr- some good people that we were just shown glimpses of in King of Kong that really get their due here, it's fascinating um, looking forward to doing that in a couple weeks
0: awesome, so that'll be next time uh, thank you for listening, thank you for sharing stuff and yes. being involved um, what, what, always appreciated
1: what, what do they say, circulate the tapes?
0: Circulate the tapes, yes. Um, It helps us because YouTube's algorithms won't. And we will see you next time. Bye. 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 Fucking quiet place.